Section 5 of The State of the Union Addresses, 1845-1848. to This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Colleen McMahon. James Polk, December 2nd, 1846. Part 2. But there are those who, conceding all this to be true, assume the ground that the true western boundary of Texas is the Nueces instead of the Rio Grande, and that therefore, in marching our army to the east bank of the latter river, we passed the Texan line and invaded the territory of Mexico. A simple statement of facts known to exist will conclusively refute such an assumption. Texas, as ceded to the United States by France in 1803, has been always claimed as extending west to the Rio Grande or Rio Bravo. This fact is established by the authority of our most eminent statesmen at a period when the question was as well, if not better understood, than it is at present. During Mr. Jefferson's administration, Messrs. Monroe and Pinckney, who had been sent on a special mission to Madrid, charged, among other things, with the adjustment of boundary between the two countries, in a note addressed to the Spanish Minister of Foreign Affairs under the date of the 28th of January, 1805, assert that the boundaries of Louisiana, as ceded to the United States by France, are the River Perdido on the east and the River Bravo on the west, and they add that the facts and principles which justify this conclusion are so satisfactory to our government as to convince it that the United States have not a better right to the island of New Orleans under the session referred to than they have to the whole district of territory which is above described. Down to the conclusion of the Florida Treaty, in February 1819, by which this territory was ceded to Spain, the United States asserted and maintained their territorial rights to this extent. In the month of June 1818, during Mr. Monroe's administration, information having been received that a number of foreign adventurers had landed at galveston with the avowed purpose of forming a settlement in that vicinity a special messenger was dispatched by the government of the united states with instructions from the secretary of state to warn them to desist should they be found there or any other place north of the rio bravo and within the territory claimed by the united states he was instructed, should they be found in the country north of that river, to make known to them the surprise with which the President has seen possession thus taken, without authority from the United States, of a place within their territorial limits, and upon which no lawful settlement can be made without their sanction. He was instructed to call upon them to avow under what national authority they profess to act, and to give them due warning that the places within the United States who will suffer no permanent settlement to be made there under any authority other than their own. As late as the 8th of July, 1842, the Secretary of State of the United States, in a note addressed to our minister in Mexico, maintains that by the Florida Treaty of 1819, the territory as far west as the Rio Grande was confirmed to Spain. In that note, he states that, by the treaty of the 22nd of February, 1819, between the United States and Spain, the Sabine was adopted as the line of boundary between the two powers. Up to that period, no considerable colonization had been effected in Texas. But the territory between the Sabine and the Rio Grande being confirmed to Spain by the treaty, 
applications were made to that power for grants of land and such grants or permissions of settlement were in fact made by the spanish authorities in favor of citizens of the united states proposing to emigrate to texas in numerous families before the declaration of independence by mexico the texas which was ceded to spain by the florida treaty of eighteen nineteen embraced all the country now claimed by the state of texas between the nueces and the rio grande the republic of texas always claimed this river as her western boundary and in her treaty made with santa anna in may eighteen thirty six he recognized it as such by the constitution which texas adopted in march eighteen thirty six senatorial and representative districts were organized extending west of the nueces the congress of texas on the nineteenth of december eighteen thirty six passed an act to define the boundaries of the republic of texas in which they declared the rio grande from its mouth to its source to be their boundary and by the said act they extended their civil and political jurisdiction over the country up to that boundary during a period of more than nine years which intervened between the adoption of her constitution and her annexation as one of the states of our union texas asserted and exercised many acts of sovereignty and jurisdiction over the territory and inhabitants west of the nueces she organized and defined the limits of counties extending to the rio grande she established courts of justice and extended her judicial system over the territory she established a custom house and collected duties and also post offices and post roads in it she established a land office and issued numerous grants for land within its limits a senator and a representative residing in it were elected to the congress of the republic and served as such before the act of annexation took place in both the congress and convention of texas which gave their assent to the terms of annexation to the united states proposed by our congress were representatives residing west of the nueces who took part in the act of annexation itself this was the texas which by the act of our congress of the twenty ninth of december eighteen forty five was admitted as one of the states of our union that the congress of the united states understood the state of texas which they admitted into the union to extend beyond the nueces is apparent from the fact that on the thirty first of december eighteen forty five only two days after the act of admission they passed a law to establish a collection district in the state of texas by which they created a port of delivery at corpus christi situated west of the nueces and being the same point at which the texas custom house under the laws of that republic had been located and directed that a surveyor to collect the revenue should be appointed for that port by the president by and with the advice and consent of the senate a surveyor was accordingly nominated and confirmed by the senate and has been ever since in the performance of his duties all these acts of the republic of texas and of our congress preceded the orders for the advance of our army to the east bank of the rio grande subsequently congress passed an act establishing certain post routes extending west of the nueces the country west of that river now constitutes a part of one of the congressional districts of texas and is represented in the house of representatives the senators from that state were chosen by a legislature in which the country west of that river was represented in view of all these facts it is difficult to conceive upon what ground it can be maintained that in occupying the country west of the nueces with our army with a view solely to its security and defense we invaded the territory of mexico 
but it would have been still more difficult to justify the executive whose duty it is to see that the laws be faithfully executed if in the face of all these proceedings both of the congress of texas and of the united states he had assumed the responsibility of yielding up the territory west of the nueces to mexico or of refusing to protect and defend this territory and its inhabitants including corpus christi as well as the remainder of texas against the threatened mexican invasion but mexico herself has never placed the war which she has waged upon the ground that our army occupied the intermediate territory between the nueces and the rio grande her refuted pretension that texas was not in fact an independent state but a rebellious province was obstinately persevered in and her avowed purpose in commencing a war with the united states was to reconquer texas and to restore mexican authority over the whole territory not to the nueces only but to the sabine in view of the proclaimed menaces of mexico to this effect i deemed it my duty as a measure of precaution and defense to order our army to occupy a position on our frontier as a military post from which our troops could best resist and repel any attempted invasion which mexico might make our army had occupied a position at corpus christi west of the nueces as early as august eighteen forty five without complaint from any quarter had the nueces been regarded as the true western boundary of texas that boundary had been passed by our army many months before it advanced to the eastern bank of the rio grande in my annual message of december last i informed congress that upon the invitation of both the congress and convention of texas i had deemed it proper to order a strong squadron to the coasts of mexico and to concentrate an efficient military force on the western frontier of texas to protect and defend the inhabitants against the menaced invasion of mexico in that message i informed congress that the moment the terms of annexation offered by the united states were accepted by texas the latter became so far a part of our own country as to make it our duty to afford such protection and defense and that for that purpose our squadron had been ordered to the gulf and our army to take a position between the nueces and the del norte or rio grande and to repel any invasion of the texan territory which might be attempted by the mexican forces it was deemed proper to issue this order because soon after the president of texas in april eighteen forty five had issued his proclamation convening the congress of that republic for the purpose of submitting to that body the terms of annexation proposed by the united states the government of mexico made serious threats of invading the texan territory these threats became more imposing as it became more apparent in the progress of the question that the people in texas would decide in favor of accepting the terms of annexation and finally they had assumed such a formidable character as induced both the congress and convention of texas to request that a military force should be sent by the united states into her territory for the purpose of protecting and defending her against the threatened invasion it would have been a violation of good faith toward the people of texas to have refused to afford the aid which they desired against a threatened invasion to which they had been exposed by their free determination to annex themselves to our union in compliance with the overture made to them by the joint resolution of our congress accordingly a portion of the army was ordered to advance into texas corpus christi was the position selected by general taylor he encamped at that place in august eighteen forty five 
and the army remained in that position until the 11th of March, 1846, when it moved westward, and on the 28th of that month reached the east bank of the Rio Grande, opposite to Matamoros. This movement was made in pursuance of orders from the War Department, issued on the 13th of January, 1846. Before these orders were issued, the dispatch of our minister in Mexico transmitting the decision of the Council of Government of Mexico, advising that he should not be received, and also the dispatch of our consul residing in the city of Mexico, the former bearing the date on the 17th and the latter on the 18th of December, 1845, copies of both of which accompanied my message to Congress of the 11th of May last, were received at the Department of State. These communications rendered it highly probable, if not absolutely certain, that our minister would not be received by the government of General Herrera. It was also well known that but little hope could be entertained of a different result from General Paredes in case the revolutionary movement which he was prosecuting should prove successful, as was highly probable. The partisans of Paredes, as our minister in the dispatch referred to states, breathed the fiercest hostility against the United States, denounced the proposed negotiation as treason, and openly called upon the troops and the people to put down the government of Herrera by force. The reconquest of Texas and war with the United States were openly threatened. These were the circumstances existing when it was deemed proper to order the army under the command of General Taylor to advance to the western frontier of Texas and occupy a position on or near the Rio Grande. The apprehensions of a contemplated Mexican invasion have been since fully justified by the event. The determination of Mexico to rush into hostilities with the United States was afterwards manifested from the whole tenor of the note of the Mexican Minister of Foreign Affairs to our minister, bearing the date on the 12th of March, 1846. Paredes had then revolutionized the government, and his minister, after referring to the resolution for the annexation of Texas, which had been adopted by our Congress in March 1845, proceeds to declare that, a fact such as this, or, to speak with greater exactness, so notable an act of usurpation, created an imperious necessity that Mexico, for her own honor, should repel it with proper firmness and dignity. The Supreme Government had beforehand declared that it would look upon such an act as a casus belli, and, as a consequence of this declaration, negotiation was by its very nature at an end, and war was the only recourse of the Mexican government. It appears also that on the 4th of April following, General Paredes, through his Minister of War, issued orders to the Mexican general in command on the Texan frontier to attack our army by every means which war permits. To this, General Paredes had been pledged to the army and people of Mexico during the military revolution which had brought him into power. On the 18th of April, 1846, General Paredes addressed a letter to the commander on that frontier, in which he stated to him, At the present date, I suppose you, at the head of that valiant army, either fighting already or preparing for the operations of a campaign, and... Supposing you already on the theater of operations and with all the forces assembled, it is indispensable that hostilities be commenced, yourself taking the initiative against the enemy. The movement of our army to the Rio Grande was made by the commanding general under positive orders to abstain from all aggressive acts toward Mexico or Mexican citizens, and to regard the relations between the two countries as peaceful, 
unless Mexico should declare war or commit acts of hostility indicative of a state of war, and these orders he faithfully executed. Whilst occupying his position on the east bank of the Rio Grande, within the limits of Texas, then recently admitted as one of the states of our Union, the commanding general of the Mexican forces, who, in pursuance of the orders of his government, had collected a large army on the opposite shore of the Rio Grande, crossed the river, invaded our territory, and commenced hostilities by attacking our forces. Thus, after all the injuries which we had received and borne from Mexico, and after she had insultingly rejected a minister sent to her on a mission of peace, and whom she had solemnly agreed to receive, she consummated her long course of outrage against our country by commencing an offensive war and shedding the blood of our citizens on our own soil. The United States never attempted to acquire Texas by conquest. On the contrary, at an early period after the people of Texas had achieved their independence, they sought to be annexed to the United States. At a general election in September 1836, they decided with great unanimity in favor of annexation, and in November following, the Congress of the Republic authorized the appointment of a minister to bear their request to this government. This government, however, having remained neutral between Texas and Mexico during the war between them, and considering it due to the honor of our country and our fair fame among the nations of the earth, that we should not at this early period consent to annexation nor until it should be manifest to the whole world that the reconquest of Texas by Mexico was impossible, refused to accede to the overtures made by Texas. On the 12th of April, 1844, after more than seven years had elapsed since Texas had established her independence, a treaty was concluded for the annexation of that republic to the United States, which was rejected by the Senate. Finally, on the 1st of March, 1845, Congress passed a joint resolution for annexing her to the United States upon certain preliminary conditions to which her assent was required. The solemnities which characterized the deliberations and conduct of the government and people of Texas on the deeply interesting questions presented by these resolutions are known to the world. The Congress, the Executive, and the people of Texas, in a convention elected for that purpose, accepted with great unanimity the proposed terms of annexation and thus consummated on her part the great act of restoring to our Federal Union a vast territory which had been ceded to Spain by the Florida Treaty, more than a quarter of a century before. After the joint resolution for the annexation of Texas to the United States had been passed by our Congress, the Mexican minister at Washington addressed a note to the Secretary of State, bearing date on the 6th of March, 1845 protesting against it as an act of aggression the most unjust which can be found recorded in the annals of modern history, namely that of despoiling a friendly nation like Mexico of a considerable portion of her territory, and protesting against the resolution of annexation as being an act whereby the province of Texas, an integral portion of the Mexican territory, is agreed and admitted into the American Union. And he announced that as a consequence his mission to the United States had terminated, and demanded his passports, which were granted. It was upon the absurd pretext made by Mexico, herself indebted for her independence to a successful revolution, that the Republic of Texas still continued to be, notwithstanding all that had passed, 
a province of Mexico, that this step was taken by the Mexican minister. Every honorable effort has been used by me to avoid the war which followed, but all have proved vain. All our attempts to preserve peace have been met by insult and resistance on the part of Mexico. My efforts to this end commenced in the note of the Secretary of State of the 10th of March, 1845, in answer to that of the Mexican minister. Whilst declining to reopen a discussion which had already been exhausted, and proving again what was known to the whole world, that Texas had long since achieved her independence, the Secretary of State expressed the regret of this government that Mexico should have taken offense at the resolution of annexation passed by Congress, and gave assurance that our most strenuous efforts shall be devoted to the amicable adjustment of every cause of complaint between the two governments, and to the cultivation of the kindest and most friendly relations between the sister republics. That I have acted in the spirit of this assurance will appear from the events which have since occurred, notwithstanding Mexico had abruptly terminated all diplomatic intercourse with the United States, and ought, therefore, to have been the first to ask for its resumption, yet, waiving all ceremony, I embraced the earliest favorable opportunity to ascertain from the Mexican government whether they would receive an envoy from the United States, entrusted with full power to adjust all the questions in dispute between the two governments. In September 1845, I believed the propitious moment for such an overture had arrived. Texas, by the enthusiastic and almost unanimous will of her people, had pronounced in favor of annexation. Mexico herself had agreed to acknowledge the independence of Texas, subject to a condition, it is true, which she had no right to impose and no power to enforce. The last lingering hope of Mexico, if she still could have retained any, that Texas would ever again become one of her provinces, must have been abandoned. The Consul of the United States at the City of Mexico was therefore instructed by the Secretary of State on the 15th of September, 1845, to make the inquiry of the Mexican government. The inquiry was made, and on the 15th of October, 1845, the Minister of Foreign Affairs of the Mexican government, in a note addressed to our consul, gave a favorable response, requesting at the same time that our naval force might be withdrawn from Veracruz while negotiations should be pending. Upon the receipt of this note, our naval force was promptly withdrawn from Veracruz. A minister was immediately appointed and departed to Mexico. Everything bore a promising aspect for a speedy and peaceful adjustment of all our difficulties. At the date of my annual message to Congress in December last, no doubt was entertained, but that he would be received by the Mexican government, and the hope was cherished that all cause of misunderstanding between the two countries would be speedily removed. In the confident hope that such would be the result of his mission, I informed Congress that I forbore at that time to recommend such ulterior measures of redress for the wrongs and injuries we had so long borne as it would have been proper to make had no such negotiation been instituted. To my surprise and regret, the Mexican government, though solemnly pledged to do so, upon the arrival of our minister in Mexico, refused to receive and accredit him. When he reached Veracruz on the 30th of November, 1845, he found that the aspect of affairs had undergone an unhappy change. The government of General Herrera, who was at that time president of the Republic, was tottering to its fall. General Paredes, a military leader, had manifested his determination to overthrow the government of Herrera by a military revolution, 
and one of the principal means which he employed to effect his purpose and render the government of herrera odious to the army and people of mexico was by loudly condemning its determination to receive a minister of peace from the united states alleging that it was the intention of herrera by a treaty with the united states to dismember the territory of mexico by ceding away the department of texas the government of herrera is believed to have been well disposed to a pacific adjustment of existing difficulties but probably alarmed for its own security and in order to ward off the danger of the revolution led by paredes violated its solemn agreement and refused to receive or credit our minister and this although informed that he had been invested with full power to adjust all questions in dispute between the two governments among the frivolous pretexts for this refusal the principal one was that our minister had not gone upon a special mission confined to the question of texas alone leaving all the outrages upon our flag and our citizens unredressed the mexican government well knew that both our national honor and the protection due to our citizens imperatively required that the two questions of boundary and indemnity should be treated of together as naturally and inseparably blended and they ought to have seen that this course was best calculated to enable the united states to extend to them the most liberal justice on the thirtieth of december eighteen forty five general herrera resigned the presidency and yielded up the government to general paredes without a struggle thus a revolution was accomplished solely by the army commanded by paredes and the supreme power in mexico passed into the hands of a military usurper who was known to be bitterly hostile to the united states although the prospect of a pacific adjustment with the new government was unpromising from the known hostility of its head to the united states yet determined that nothing should be left undone on our part to restore friendly relations between the two countries our minister was instructed to present his credentials to the new government and asked to be accredited by it in the diplomatic character in which he had been commissioned these instructions he executed by his note of the first of march eighteen forty six addressed to the mexican minister of foreign affairs but his request was insultingly refused by that minister in his answer of the twelfth of the same month no alternative remained for our minister but to demand his passports and return to the united states thus was the extraordinary spectacle presented to the civilized world of a government in violation of its own express agreement having twice rejected a minister of peace invested with full powers to adjust all the existing differences between the two countries in a manner just and honorable to both i am not aware that modern history presents a parallel case in which in time of peace one nation has refused even to hear propositions from another for terminating existing difficulties between them scarcely a hope of adjusting our difficulties even at a remote day or of preserving peace with mexico could be cherished while paredes remained at the head of the government he had acquired the supreme power by a military revolution and upon the most solemn pledges to wage war against the united states and to reconquer texas which he claimed as a revolted province of mexico he had denounced as guilty of treason all those mexicans who considered texas as no longer constituting a part of the territory of mexico and who were friendly to the cause of peace the duration of the war which he waged against the united states was indefinite because the end which he proposed of the reconquest of texas was hopeless besides there was good reason to believe from all his conduct 
that it was his intention to convert the republic of mexico into a monarchy and to call a foreign european prince to the throne preparatory to this end he had during his short rule destroyed the liberty of the press tolerating that portion of it only which openly advocated the establishment of a monarchy the better to secure the success of his ultimate designs he had by an arbitrary decree convoked a congress not to be elected by the free voice of the people but to be chosen in a manner to make them subservient to his will and to give him absolute control over their deliberations under all these circumstances it was believed that any revolution in mexico founded upon opposition to the ambitious projects of paredes would tend to promote the cause of peace as well as prevent any attempted european interference in the affairs of the north american continent both objects of deep interest to the united states any such foreign interference if attempted must have been resisted by the united states my views upon that subject were fully communicated to congress in my last annual message in any event it was certain that no change whatever in the government of mexico which would deprive paredes of power could be for the worse so far as the united states were concerned while it was highly probable that any change must be for the better this was the state of affairs existing when congress on the thirteenth of may last recognized the existence of the war which had been commenced by the government of paredes and it became an object of much importance with a view to a speedy settlement of our difficulties and the restoration of an honorable peace that paredes should not retain power in mexico before that time there were symptoms of a revolution in mexico favored as it was understood to be by the more liberal party and especially by those who were opposed to foreign interference and to the monarchical form of government santa anna was then in exile in havana having been expelled from power and banished from his country by a revolution which occurred in december eighteen forty four but it was known that he had still a considerable party in his favor in mexico it was also equally well known that no vigilance which could be exerted by our squadron would in all probability have prevented him from effecting a landing somewhere on the extensive gulf coast of mexico if he desired to return to his country he had openly professed an entire change of policy had expressed his regret that he had subverted the federal constitution of eighteen twenty four and avowed that he was now in favor of its restoration he had publicly declared his hostility in strongest terms to the establishment of a monarchy and to european interference in the affairs of his country information to this effect had been received from sources believed to be reliable at the date of the recognition of the existence of the war by congress and was afterwards fully confirmed by the receipt of the dispatch of our consul in the city of mexico with the accompanying documents which are herewith transmitted besides it was reasonable to suppose that he must see the ruinous consequences to mexico of a war with the united states and it would be in his interest to favor peace it was under these circumstances and upon these considerations that it was deemed expedient not to obstruct his return to mexico should he attempt to do so our object was the restoration of peace and with that view no reason was perceived why we should take part with paredes and aid him by means of our blockade in preventing the return of his rival to mexico 
On the contrary, it was believed that the intestine divisions which ordinary sagacity could not but anticipate as the fruit of Santa Anna's return to Mexico and his contest with Paredes might strongly tend to produce a disposition with both parties to restore and preserve peace with the United States. Paredes was a soldier by profession and a monarchist in principle. He had but recently before been successful in a military revolution by which he had obtained power. He was the sworn enemy of the United States, with which he had involved his country in the existing war. Santa Anna had been expelled from power by the army, was known to be in open hostility to Paredes, and publicly pledged against foreign intervention and the restoration of monarchy in Mexico. In view of these facts and circumstances, it was that when orders were issued to the commander of our naval forces in the Gulf on the 13th of May last, the same day on which the existence of the war was recognized by Congress, to place the coasts of Mexico under blockade, he was directed not to obstruct the passage of Santa Ana to Mexico should he attempt to return. A revolution took place in Mexico in the early part of August following, by which the power of Paredes was overthrown, and he has since been banished from the country and is now in exile. Shortly afterwards, Santa Ana returned. It remains to be seen whether his return may not yet prove to be favorable to a pacific adjustment of the existing difficulties it being manifestly his interest not to persevere in the prosecution of a war commenced by Paredes to accomplish a purpose so absurd as the reconquest of Texas to the Sabine. Had Paredes remained in power, it is morally certain that any pacific adjustment would have been hopeless. Upon the commencement of hostilities by Mexico against the United States, the indignant spirit of the nation was at once aroused. Congress promptly responded to the expectations of the country, and by the act of the 13th of May last recognized the fact that war existed by the act of Mexico between the United States and that republic, and granted the means necessary for its vigorous prosecution. Being involved in a war thus commenced by Mexico, and for the justice of which on our part we may confidently appeal to the whole world, I resolved to prosecute it with the utmost vigor. Accordingly, the ports of Mexico on the Gulf and on the Pacific have been placed under blockade, and her territory invaded at several important points. The reports from the Departments of War and of the Navy will inform you in more detail of the measures adopted in the emergency in which our country was placed, and of the gratifying results which have been accomplished. The various columns of the Army have performed their duty under great disadvantages, with the most distinguished skill and courage. The victories of Palo Alto and Resaca de la Palma and of Monterey, won against greatly superior numbers, and against most decided advantages in other respects on the part of the enemy, were brilliant in their execution, and entitle our brave officers and soldiers to the grateful thanks of their country. The nation deplores the loss of the brave officers and men who have gallantly fallen while vindicating and defending their country's rights and honor. It is a subject of pride and satisfaction that our volunteer citizen soldiers, who so promptly responded to their country's call, with an experience of the discipline of a camp of only a few weeks, have borne their part in the hard-fought battle of Monterey with a constancy and courage equal to that of veteran troops, and worthy of the highest admiration. The privations of long marches through the enemy's country and through a wilderness have been borne without a murmur. By rapid movements, the province of New Mexico, with Santa Fe, its capital, has been captured without bloodshed. 
the navy has cooperated with the army and rendered important services if not so brilliant it is because the enemy had no force to meet them on their own element and because of the defenses which nature has interposed in the difficulties of the navigation of the mexican coast our squadron in the pacific with the cooperation of a gallant officer of the army and a small force hastily collected in that distant country has acquired bloodless possession of the californias and the american flag has been raised at every important point in that province i congratulate you on the success which has thus attended our military and naval operations in less than seven months after mexico commenced hostilities at a time selected by herself we have taken possession of many of her principal ports driven back and pursued her invading army and acquired military possession of the mexican provinces of new mexico new leon coahuila tamaulipas and the californias a territory larger in extent than that embraced in the original thirteen states of the union inhabited by a considerable population and much of it more than one thousand miles from the points at which we had to collect our forces and commence our movements by the blockade the import and export trade of the enemy has been cut off well may the american people be proud of the energy and gallantry of our regular and volunteer officers and soldiers the events of these few months afford a gratifying proof that our country can under any emergency confidently rely for the maintenance of her honor and the defense of her rights on an effective force ready at all times voluntarily to relinquish the comforts of home for the perils and privations of the camp and though such a force may be for the time expensive it is in the end economical as the ability to command it removes the necessity of employing a large standing army in time of peace and proves that our people love their institutions and are ever ready to defend and protect them while the war was in a course of vigorous and successful prosecution being still anxious to arrest its evils and considering that after the brilliant victories of our arms on the eighth and ninth of may last the national honor could not be compromitted by it another overture was made to mexico by my direction on the twenty seventh of july last to terminate hostilities by a peace just and honorable to both countries on the thirty first of august following the mexican government declined to accept this friendly overture but referred it to the decision of a mexican congress to be assembled in the early part of the present month i communicate to you herewith a copy of the letter of the secretary of state proposing to reopen negotiations of the answer of the mexican government and of the reply thereto of the secretary of state the war will continue to be prosecuted with vigor as the best means of securing peace it is hoped that the decision of the mexican congress to which our last overture has been referred may result in a speedy and honorable peace with our experience however of the unreasonable course of the mexican authorities it is the part of wisdom not to relax in the energy of our military operations until the result is made known in this view it is deemed important to hold military possession of all the provinces which have been taken until a definitive treaty of peace shall have been concluded and ratified by the two countries the war has not been waged with a view to conquest but having been commenced by mexico it has been carried into the enemy's country and will be vigorously prosecuted there with a view to obtain an honorable peace and thereby secure ample indemnity for the expenses of the war as well as to our much injured citizens who hold large pecuniary demands against mexico 
by the laws of nations a conquered country is subject to be governed by the conqueror during his military possession and until there is either a treaty of peace or he shall voluntarily withdraw from it the old civil government being necessarily superseded it is the right and duty of the conqueror to secure his conquest and to provide for the maintenance of civil order and the rights of the inhabitants this right has been exercised and this duty performed by our military and naval commanders by the establishment of temporary governments in some of the conquered provinces of mexico assimilating them as far as practicable to the free institutions of our country in the provinces of new mexico and of the californias little if any further resistance is apprehended from the inhabitants to the temporary governments which have thus from the necessity of the case and according to the laws of war been established it may be proper to provide for the security of these important conquests by making an adequate appropriation for the purpose of erecting fortifications and defraying the expenses necessarily incident to the maintenance of our possession and authority over them end of section five recording by colleen mcmahon